Hey, this is Anthony. We're going to start the regular episode in just a second, but before that, I wanted to let you know that during our news discussion, I accidentally describe Disney's potential ad-supported tier for Disney Plus as ad-free, and that is not correct. It's ad-supported. It's like actually the opposite. Um, Many of you, this will go over your head, but for people who this really bothers, I did try to edit it out. I couldn't edit it out smoothly, and I just wanted you to know that I know what I did. Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Eddington. And if you noticed a slight pause before I said podcast, it's because I am very rusty because we took the last week off because... Yeah, you're like, what is this thing again? What, how wow, just two weeks is all it takes mm-hmm. for something we've been doing for, what, three years now? Four years? <laughs> it, just, it just throws me off my game if I go a week without seeing you and hearing your voices. Mm. I feel that way too about you yeah, guys. I really do. It's like a nice way to lead into the weekend to spend. That's time why I came in hot in the pre-show because I haven't you seen did come you. In very hot. Calm me down. <laughs> that that is something we will never share publicly. <laughs> well, maybe maybe in a few years. One day. We'll, we'll yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. In the in the retrospective. Easier to share. The, yeah. yeah. Well, when some time is between you and the event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, this week we're going to be reviewing Inventing Anna on Netflix. Before we get to that, there was some news that actually just hit this morning as we record, which I thought was worth acknowledging at least, which is that Disney Plus, uh, or you know, the executives at Disney announced this morning that there will be an ad-free version of Disney Plus. They basically offered no details, no pricing or launch date or anything like that, but I think it's it's significant in, in sort of like it, it's another sign of the direction that things are going where all these different services, uh, basically with the exception of, of Netflix so far, really mm-hmm. just want to get as many, you know, get need to get their user numbers up. They want to get, you know, global subscribers. And so they're realizing that they need to have a, a lower ad supported tier. Um, is this something that either of you would consider signing up for? No. <laughs> no. And that's my big worry about it is I don't want it to mean that they feel justified in like increasing the price on the ad free version. Right. I'm fine if they got like, bring in the ad supported version and they charge very little for it and then keep the other the same. Right. But I feel, feel like it gives them cover to be like, oh, and now we're going to do be even more aggressive with our uh, gradual price hikes on the paid service, um, which would be bad. And then. But uh, yeah, because I, w- I think I would bounce at that point. I don't know. I guess they have. I think I would too. I don't now. watch it enough. Yeah, I really don't. Like, I mean, it's more like every once in a while when I want to watch like the Parent Trap because it's a rainy day and we want something like feel good from our youth. It's right. not like I'm like invested in any of their original shows. Like even about- the Mandalorian, I don't care about. What about what's his name from uh, Jurassic Park? Just talking about stuff. Jeff Goldblum. That isn't like Neil Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I said Neil. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> what a morning. Isn't that because um, Sam Neil is also in Jurassic Park? Maybe that's where your head was at. Doubtful, because you know me, I don't know any of the actors' actual names. <laughs> but yeah, no, I no, that's not going to keep me for sure. I mm. also like. I have a feel. I have kind of bad feelings towards Disney. I just feel like in the last few years they just always feel like they're on the wrong side of things maybe not wrong but not on my side of things Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah culturally so i just there's less that binds me to them it might be different if i had like a small kid in the house but i think that's still their their primary zone of influence right they they helped a lot with their whatever it's called in the states but in their star not star is that what it's called? No, Whatever so it's Hulu it is. in the in the U.S. and then uh, they're like, well, I guess they're not exactly the same, but I think the stuff that would go to Hulu that's going to Hulu in the U.S. I think more and more it's clear that Hulu is going to be U.S. only and probably will disappear at some point, and then it's all going to be under the Star umbrella. Yeah, 
But that has a lot of good stuff, like what Jordan was talking about. That is just like, oh, this is cool, and I'm gonna watch it because I have good memories of it or whatever. Like, I think it has it has all the FX stuff now, like back yeah. catalog. So it has like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, back seasons and stuff here. So it's like a really nice catalog if you're in the mood for that. But yeah, their new stuff, like the Marvel movies and the Disney stuff, they are, they're just like dripping it out in the right way to kind of like keep me on on the hook. But I think, yeah, the breaking point would be like if they come back and like, guess what? We have a free one. It has ads where I'd be like, no, I don't care. I'm over, I never want to see an ad for again for as long as I possibly live. And then, you know, which is great because we work in an ads part of the industry. But then on the other side, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to pay you more either. So you're yeah. Hopefully they don't back themselves in that corner. Hopefully they're just like keep paying this much. It's just the right amount, right? They can't boil me as a frog. I'm I'm not the frog being boiled. I'm okay. I'm like aware. I'm aware of what they're doing. <laughs> Although the boiling of the frog happens also, even if there's no advertising. I mean, if you look at Netflix prices over the next over the last few years, that they've been steadily increasing. Um, I think the thing about ad- but Netflix is yeah. different because it's like I I feel like the pace and everything about their approach to content is very different than Disney's, which right. is like. Here's one really high profile, um, essentially blockbuster effort, uh, meted out like, I don't know, at the pace of once per year or twice per year or something. Whereas Netflix is like, here's a bunch of shit. I don't know. Some of it is great. Some of it is terrible, but here's a ton of it and sift through it and you have all the time in the world and you're going to take the time. right? I think the other thing about ad supported tiers is that they i always feel like a chump for signing up for them because i'll see you know when i'm like first signing up for something like sure i'll save a couple bucks a month and i'll do the ad supported tier and then as soon as i start watching and especially because with a lot of these services right at every ad break you see the exact same ad and by the end i'm just like clutching my head and be like why was i such a cheapskate why did i do this to myself and i never learned the lesson that's what is so weird with I don't know what the it, cause of it is, but the fact that uh, on, on all online services, they, they're f- happy to repeat ads over and over again, like sometimes within the same break, and uh, but like definitely within the same show, whereas on like broadcast television, they usually go out of their way not to. Is it because there's like a human in the loop or... Someone was like, well, I don't think that we should do this. Like, just a common sense response, whereas the other is very nakedly like, I don't know. Here's money. Money goes in machine. Machine decides what to blast at the human receiver on the other end, and that's the end of the, the equation. But I think it's I don't know probably about the ad industry. a combination of, yeah, they just haven't sold enough ads to, like, have that mm. density of advertising. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a machine that's, like, doing all this optimization and targeting and then it turns out actually the machine is dumb and it just gives right. you the same ad every time because there's only like... I mean, or effective. Who knows? Maybe the numbers <laughs> bear out that like that is actually what works uh, if you're going to buy. You're much more likely to buy if they just repeat it you're over. like, all right, over. fine. I'll buy this fucking thing. God. Yeah. I mean, it kind of works in av- Instagram advertising for me. So. All right. Well, let's move on to Inventing Anna. Um and again, so this is based on a true story and specifically on this New York Magazine article called How, How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People by Jessica Pressler, who also wrote the article that Hustlers was based on. And sometimes there's some interesting parallels with that story. Um, but it's also very, uh, there's, there's a lot of fictionalized elements, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm curious, how much of the Anna Delvey story did you guys go? Uh, did you guys know going into this? Not much. I only knew really broad strokes. I don't know. So uh, a lot of this was new to me, which I think is a reason why, like, I don't know how to, I'll say this up front. Like, I really didn't love this show, and I have, I have not finished it. So it's another episode that people can come and get mad at me for saying I didn't like a thing that I didn't finish. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't love it. And, but one of the things that did work for keeping me going was that there was a lot of plot twists and reveals that I feel like watching it, I was like, if I knew this story, I would be like annoyed by this tease out or like, 
it wouldn't work at all, right? So th- I think they're assuming. Were you a close follower of the Anna Delvey thing as it was happening, or more like, ah, oh, yeah, I heard about that, and now I'll watch this show? More of the latter. I w- I didn't know almost anything about it except I knew like there was this person and she scammed everybody and she didn't have any money and she had weird, ambiguous uh, like Accent. heritage or national origins. Yeah. That's that's about all I knew. Yeah. Mm. I think that's what I knew too. I mean, I'd, I think I, I had, I don't know, maybe I think that article hit right around the time that there was so much other stuff about scam culture going on, like the Fire Festival documentaries and, um, you know, a lot of the stuff was hitting around about like, I think this is sort of when like the Theranos scandals were, were kind of like had, had just happened and and so i was just like ah, i don't need another scammer story i'm good um but like right. i went back and reread you the had article. scam uh, uh exhaustion you're just yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and it's a great article it's 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 re- i really really like the article um the jessica pressler one or the vanity fair one the jessica pressler one see i think i only read the vanity fair one my whole backstory yeah. on the Anna Delvey situation was that my sister was pretty obsessed with it as a story. It kind of like is right in her wheelhouse of like fashion and young women and whatever. So she passed along the Vanity Fair article to me and was like, she's also in PR. So she was really fascinated by the fact that like this non-journalist had such a big story, right? Like this kind of like photo editor or whatever she was. Um, and that was interesting to her. So I read that, but I didn't read the original Jess Pressler story. Uh, yeah, I still haven't read either of them, I don't think, unless I did and totally forgot about it, but that seems unlikely. So, I mean, that made the story more interesting to me, I think, because like the Vanity Fair article is really about Rachel's experience and pretty much centers around what happened in Morocco and just the fact that like she put her credit card down for a really expensive vacation and it was stressful. Right. Um, but it's like so much more intricate than that. So I felt like I was learning a lot more than I knew, you know. One of the things about the overall approach of the show that I, I think this is not a spoiler to say is that it is very, very sympathetic towards Anna. And um, yeah, over totally. the, I, don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't try to pretend that she didn't commit the crimes that she did, but it sort of takes this position that most of her crimes were sort of victimless and that there are these rich people who were totally fine before and after she ripped them off. Um, and that, you know, this is like a culture where everyone's a little bit of a fake and she was just the, (laughs) took that to an extreme. And, and then also there's sort of like a feminist bent to it as well that, you know, men get away with this stuff or get off with like a slap on the wrist all the time. And, and so part of the reason that she was like this woman kind of sticking it to these, um, you know, these these dumb men who didn't take her seriously. Uh, and I think all of those are things that I agree with, at least to an extent, but right. it still felt kind of unbalanced. And like, that it was like, I don't, like, like towards the end, especially, it feels very, very pro-Anna in a way that I was not fully on board with. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a like, what little I did know about this was like, and maybe this is why I, would, I was less interested. Was like, oh yeah, like I feel like the only people that got screwed out of this were like very wealthy people. So I definitely don't care about them at all. I, don't, I think they deserve everything that they have coming to them. Like it, it doesn't matter to me in that regard. Like zero sympathy, right? But what I found interesting about this was like that I think there were attempts to make her sympathetic, but they and I, I th- think it was mostly the Julia Garner. Um, portrayal is like they were ambiguous and I liked that about it like I was like is she using that purely as a manipulation and has no substance or belief behind it Um, like she just is aware that this is a dynamic that she can exploit as opposed to actually believing like I'm doing these things for these reasons and again I haven't seen it all the way through so maybe as you alluded to like later it becomes more like that but like for me it was like, oh, yeah, like, I love that all these people got fooled. And I also find this character very, very interesting and compelling. But I don't necessarily sympathize with her. I yeah. just 
I think, like, I didn't have empathy for Anna or sympathy for Anna at all. But, like, I mean, you guys know this about me. Like, I, I watch Survivor because I think social manipulation is something that is respectable, generally. Like, right. I don't agree with it, necessarily. But I think <laughs> and people who are, like, I think people who are capable of doing it deserve some sort of respect for the fact that they can, right? Like, particularly right. in this situation where the victim, for the most part, are people who are in power and probably should know better and, like, I don't have any empathy or sympathy or compassion for, right? So, like, fine, great, fun. The the one piece, which I actually think is important in the real-life Anna Delvey story, what I know of it, which I'm not an expert, and in this one, is, is actually Rachel and her yeah. existence in the story because it's the... And to be clear, I think casting was perfect for Rachel because she doesn't seem very likable. I think that that she's not a very likable character. And yet there's still some piece of her that is somewhat relatable to a normal human being where you're like, if this happened to me, you'd like to say I would never do this. This would never happen to me. But I think about like the richest friend that I have. Right. And like, would I foot the bill for something after they've footed the bill for so many things where that would become, you know, feel like I would feel pressure in that situation. There's at least makes you think the thoughts. And then Mm. Anna becomes not less respectable, but slightly more villainous where you're like, wow, you're willing to do that. At the same time, they do a good job of painting Anna's desperation towards the end to like, hang on to something. Um, I think it like my my overall thoughts on this are that it's very Shondaland and it could be something completely mm. different. I don't think that it could be something better necessarily, but it could right. be something completely different for what it is for being a Shonda Rhimes show about Anna Delvey. I actually think it's very good for what it is, right? Like I right. think it hits all the right notes and it's complex enough, but not so complex that you're thinking about it nonstop and it's like, overtaking your mind it's like right in that comfort tv but interesting and complex and kind of fun and funny and the music is amazing i think like it somehow is like a feel-good show i don't know how right you know what i mean yeah i agree well that it's yeah it's very upbeat and like that was another issue that i had with it though was like the the music to me conveyed something that the show was not which was like a uh like caper like oh man we're falling it's like high energy and then the show was like very slow and like a lot of this stuff i was just like i don't care about this at all why is this even being shown to me like there's no stakes to it who are these people and then occasionally it would pop in with like oh i actually do care about this and it does feel like poppy and high energy and like a crime drama but the music was always telling me that and i was like that's not what's going on here but also to your point about the shondaline thing or shondaland thing it felt like it could have been a network show, and I don't mean that in a complimentary way. I mean that bad, like it was bad in that way. Yeah. And because if I'm on Netflix, like I'm not against network shows overall, but I like to see them where I'm expecting them. Right, and if I'm right, getting right. it on Netflix, I'm not expecting that. The one thing that made it feel like a Netflix show was the fact that it's the episodes are so long like most of the episodes are more than an hour and i don't think they needed to be that long i don't think they needed as many episodes and that also speaks to i think what you were getting at daryl that the a lot of it is sort of pitched as this kind of like very light caper movie with undertones but it's like what if you took oceans 11 and you like spread it out over like nine hours obviously you're just gonna lose a lot of momentum and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it did feel like a movie that was expanded. You know those memes that are like, Netflix is like, hey, do you want to watch an eight-hour movie? And you're like, no, why would I do that? And I'm like, what if we split it up into eight sections and you watch it back to back to back? It's like, totally, down, ready to do it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Except I think sometimes it's also like, do you want to watch a two-hour movie? And you're like, oh, that's too long. And then what about eight hours, but in sections? All right. Awesome. <laughs> the experience for me was... I really hated the first episode. It was just so aggravating. And I don't remember the first episode. I try to remember the first episode. Because that's the one that centers more than any of the others on Anna Chalumsky's character, Vivian Kent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They should not have put the focus on her. That made zero sense to me. I I was like, why is this the main character? I found her so aggravating. She's supposed to be too, though. That's good casting. Like, it's exactly right. Like, she's supposed to be that person, I feel like. Really? It's based on her 
her story, isn't it? Rather than the other one's book. And that one they they really ruined. They're like, this person is an idiot and she's awful. The Wait, vanity are you talking fair. about Rachel? Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, but I think it wouldn't be right for Shonda and co to like do this thing based on Jess Pressler's article and not take into account that like she's not just as flawed as Anna because that's pretty flawed but like a very flawed individual and also like even the greatest reporters are still reporters like I'm not shitting on them but like there's something personality wise about a reporter that is like very dog with a bone Right? right. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to be a somewhat objectionable person to be a good reporter. Which right. Is it's why kind I'm of not like one. being president, right? <laughs> like you kind of have to be an asshole to be president right. too, because you think you yeah, can be fucking yeah. president. What's wrong with you, right. narcissist? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's the same thing. So I don't know. I agree with that, and I also agree because I've read stuff about her reaction to it, and she's like, "No, it's pretty good." And like, <laughs> you would have that blind spot on like. But also, my well, complaint is less about um, that Vivian and more about the- like. She describes Vivian as the angry all caps version of myself. Oh, okay, okay. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, well, and she has to support it, right? Like, it's yeah. money in the bank, so she's got to be like, this is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I was less annoyed that I found it just boring. I was just like, I don't really care about any of this. Like, I don't, I, either way, I don't care about it. Like, I would rather this not be a focus of the story. Because it, it, this left me feeling like I just thought, that she did such a good job, um, Julia Garner, of being this Anna Delvey character. And every time I dipped into that, I was just like, just give me more of this. Just, oh, this is all I want. Her interacting with people. And then I, and then every time we would go off with the other people, I was like, fuck off. I don't really give a shit about this. You gave me everything you needed to. This show had a real problem of like the reiteration of things yeah. and then like making more explicit, like, Oh, by the way, we already said this, and we gave you everything you needed to know to take away what was going on, but we're going to go back, and we're going to show you that whole scene with everyone just explicitly saying out loud their motivations and actions. Like, what are you doing? We don't... Nobody needs this. This is like... And a lot of that was probably obvious. Yeah, it's just like so much of that stuff is obvious. Like, you don't... Yeah. Like, it's like it's, it's re-explained multiple times, and you didn't even need the first explanation. because You didn't need obvious. the first one. Yes, exactly. They did that. I mean, the one example that comes to mind, it's not a very good example, but it's the one I can think of immediately, is like when they have uh, Billy fucking fire Festival in there, and then they have like a scene where he appears and he's alluding to it, and you're like, okay, yes, I get this. And then they have another scene where they're like, it's and it's fire festival and you're like i know i fucking know of course are you gonna bring anything to this yeah are you here for a reason no then get the fuck out of here don't put the i don't even see you in the show saying i'm billy what's his name and this is fire festival in case you didn't notice audience wink wink go fuck yourself you're all idiots like there was a real problem in this show of like i'm assuming you're stupid and i'm going to tell the story in a way that makes sense for stupid people and it, and it ruins the joke because i think that like if you don't know who uh billy mcfarland is farland that's McFar- right mcfarland yeah. uh then i just don't think then i think it just goes past you and having it explained doesn't make it funny like you're just like okay well they just made this reference whatever but like yeah. if you know who he is then it's funny and you don't need to explain it and it's just aggravating to have it explained to you yes yeah that was my experience of it anyway but but yeah, yeah. i i would say that the first episode I found really aggravating. I think part of it was just getting on board with sort of their take on the material. And also it's just the thing of when you know, uh, you know, something, you know, when, when you see a fictional depiction of, of something you actually know about, it's always a little bit more aggravating because you can see all the small details that they get wrong. But right. once I got past that, I, I, I actually liked it a lot. I, I do still think in a lot of ways it's not a good show, but it was really fun. And Julia Garner... Is so great. good. I think she's, she's so good. Like, and I, w- so one question I had, cause I, I haven't paid enough attention to Anna Delvey herself, real, real Anna Delvey at real Anna Delvey, um, to know exactly what her accent sounds like. So I don't know if Julia nailed it or not, but either way she was chef's kiss. Bellissima. So that's my, uh, and my only knowledge of that is from reading again, an interview with, um, Jessica uh, Pressler. Jessica Pressler, and she said she nailed it. So I trust her opinion on it. Because I did see a lot of complaints 
from people being like, what was going on with the accent? And I think it was people misunderstanding, like, no, 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 she's she's doing a faithful representation of what the real person's accent is. She's not just doing a bad German accent, right? Like, it is this thing that is like a hybrid of German and Russian that is unusual and perhaps also affected. In right, certain cultivated ways. in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought I, she was great. And then also the best lines. She delivers the best lines, right? Like when she says like, are you just so massively basic. fat or are you pregnant or whatever? Yeah. And you're being so this, dramatic. Stuff, you're so basic. I'm I don't know this for a fact, but I'm willing to bet that all of that is lifted directly from transcript because it shines so brightly compared to the writing of the rest of the show from like what I imagine to be the fictionalized moments that is like, well, you couldn't come up you no one who is writing this could come up with this. You're not talented enough to. This has to be from the original. Right? <laughs> Just speculative, yeah. but so sure. I love it. <laughs> so sure. 100% sure. <laughs> All the evidence points to this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Saving Grace. Anders was in it, though. That was kind of nice. He was just like a, a good husband. <laughs> Anders home. Oh, yeah. Whatever, I mean, but... I probably empathize with him more than anyone. Maybe not empathize because I don't like I have a good partner, but like I'm the reporter partner. <laughs> but like. I, you know, she's so frustrating. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being married to someone who's having a baby and like won't doesn't show up to their sonogram? Yeah, like they're... and is is filling the baby's room with like a sociopath's wall of investigation? Like I, I would be losing yeah. my mind. Let's talk about all the reporter <laughs> stagecraft. I think there's so much, and I think like we <laughs> yeah, probably go. I don't do want to go that. too far down that rabbit hole, but I think the thing that can stand in for so much of the reporter stuff is the Instagram wall. Because first of all, the, the, the plot is that she has been given, I guess, two weeks to work on the story from her skeptical bosses. And she like is just getting nowhere, can't get anyone on the record, can't get any like real details. How can I crack and, this case? And then finally, somebody mentions Instagram. And she's like, oh my God, I had never thought of this. And then immediately proceeds to print out the photos and put them up on the wall and then start literally using red string to connect different photos. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, like just mind-blowingly stupid. And... Yeah, like I noticed that Tara commented it's on it. We were all just idea, like, "What the right, fuck of is like... this? Like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen." And it was so she commented also in that article, like, "Okay, so they took a lot of liberties because they can't film me just sending slacks and emails." At the internet, yeah. Exactly. So she was like, "That's literally all I did to get all these all these moments happened in Slack and on email, and you can't have that happen in a movie because no one would watch it, right?" But they went pretty far extreme the other way where they were like, well, what if this story happened in like the 1970s or whatever? And <laughs> like, this is how a newsroom works. And Because even she said it was fictionalized to the part, like to a large extent. I love the assignment editor. I mean, I was thinking about it from the perspective of our newsroom and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, oh no, you have to be on this story. Well, you you gotta listen to him. He's the assignment. Like, what? No, this would never ever happen. But maybe that does happen at real publications. I don't know. We're gonna be oh, we're really, real. really brutal and show no faith in you. And by that we mean we're gonna give you two weeks where this is the only thing that you work on, and we're not gonna check in with <laughs> yes. you until the end of the two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then her deadline for the Me Too. Uh, Wall Street story was also ridiculous. It was like, no, you got to focus on this. I expect it in a month or whatever. And this is all you're delivering from. Okay, Which, cool. To be cool fair, job. I think also to some extent <laughs> reflects the fact that you know we're used to digital newsrooms, yes, which yes. I think are certainly by far the more dominant uh, newsroom now. And, and New York Magazine is somewhat rarefied air if you get to be a you know a staff reporter for the magazine side. True. Yeah. But it was still aggravating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything to do with that was, I think, silly. And again, to, to I brought up Tara's response to it. It's a lot, It's like, even if you're not a person who like works in this industry, I think it comes off as ridiculous and hollow. But I don't know. It was. It was. I mean, that's everything else that was outside of her. And again, not to harp on this too much, but it just felt weird and overdone and like not realistic and because i i know a lot of it was fictionalized and they are upfront about that right but like 
it just felt poorly fictionalized, which is in contrast with, or maybe appropriate to her sort of style thing. Cause I guess she was, she was like very good at getting some things right. And then like, didn't care at all about other parts of it. Right. And in her own kind of like lying and fictionalization and maybe the, but I don't think the show is like that advanced that it was trying to replicate that. It just came off as like doing a very bad job of establishing the fiction outside of the reported details of the story. I don't know. I mean, so we talked a little bit about Rachel, which I do think the actress did a good job and, and, and um, that that storyline was, was fun and interesting. It did feel a little, a little bit kind of like, why is this show like so insistent on painting Rachel as a bad person when she's the one who got ripped off for like tens of thousands of dollars by her friend. Right. But okay. Um, and then, yeah, Andrew's uh, at home as, as her husband is great. What do we think of the rest of the supporting cast? I thought Neff was great. And that, actually, that's the episode that I ended on was the one that is just titled Neff, I believe. And I was like, oh, this is a good episode. Like, I enjoyed this in her focus or whatever. I think there were issues with there were issues with what they asked her to do in terms of like her character's motivations and allegiances, but I don't think those have a reflection on the actress. I think, again, it was like weak story construction or writing, but the actress did a fantastic job with what she was given. It was just like, I don't, this, I don't find this credulous. Like, I feel like we all know a Rachel, right? Like just a climber yeah. who is like, mm-hmm. you know, really cares about herself, but pretends that she cares about everybody else. And, you know, is just out to kind of get and take. And like, right. You know, Neff to me felt a little bit more nuanced in that, like, she clearly has blind spots, but, like, she also has, like, values that I can agree with that she's very cemented to, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, unwilling to change that. And maybe that's a blind spot, but, like, she would rather stick to that value than, you know, I, I think that that's more nuanced and interesting, honestly, than, like, a lot of the people surrounding, like, I, I, than Casey or Rachel, who like just feel very basic, not to like steal right. from Anna Delvey's vocabulary, but like, you know, it's just like very flat. Like, okay, yeah, I know what this character is all about, and there's nothing that's going to surprise me in how they behave at all. Whereas Neff was like surprising, and her journey going through it was somewhat surprising. Yeah. No, I agree with all that. Yeah. And, and so I do think they gave her more to do with it. And then I also just think the actress did it. Did a good job. I do too. I thought that was a good, yeah. Right. I mean, I thought I agree that Casey, there was just less there to the character, but I thought Laverne Cox did a great job with it. I mean, Laverne Cox is amazing, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Casey as a character is like, okay, yeah, the universe will open up if you open to it. It's like, okay, shut up, you know. Um, And I thought uh, Arian Moyed, um, who plays. Todd, her lawyer, who I think everyone knows him from Succession, oh, so primarily. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. was great, and that, I, I thought that character was a lot of fun too. That he Stewie. is very open in the same way that I think Vivian. What they were trying to do with the Vivian character is to say, like, yeah, like we want to get something out of Anna too. Like we're right. not like interested in her case just from like self interest, but um, that you could also tell that you at least that that he seemed like a a really uh, a good lawyer who also was wanted to do the right thing. And I yeah, of... I think he is. Uh, Go ahead. I just thought his styling was. Unf- I was like, oh man, this is that guy. I was like, oh, he's so much more he handsome looks on different. Succession. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he's in Succession, he's supposed to be like, Rich and you powerful. know, the shark who's out to like take out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the and it just goes to show how much personality plays into like physical attraction, right? Because like Stewie's character is so smooth and degaff and like superior right that like you're just attracted to that you're like wow you literally don't give a fuck like i I, (laughs) i'm thinking of the the scene where he reaches in and grabs the second donut at the coffee shop (laughs) just like he bought one and then he reaches in and grabs the second one because he's like you just can't stop eating these and like there are people (laughs) all around you know like yeah but yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really well-developed character as well. I think this show could have been something, it would have been a misstep to just solely focus on Anna, right? Like, not that I'm saying any showrunner would do that, but like, it would have been a misstep to just show 
interactions with Anna alone and make her the gravitational center without showing like the, the idea that he married some super wealthy generational wealth um, lawyer as well, who he's like slightly competitive with feels like he'll never be good enough for wants to win this case because he wants a name for himself. He wants to earn it on his own merit and his, you know, kind of like conflict of interest ethical questions with the reporter who he also seems to care for and taking something from Anna but also caring about Anna I mean those are interesting things like the show doesn't go Mm -hmm. on really I feel like without some of those dynamics well is there anything else we should talk about before we get into spoilers no I don't think so all right well if you have not watched the entire first season of inventing Anna and you don't want it spoiled for you although you know parenthetically if you know you know the broad outlines of the stories, there are no, there's no like big twist. But if you if you don't want to know how it plays out, uh, you should stop listening now. Um, maybe the first thing we should talk about, spoiler wise, is the trip to Morocco. Sure. Unless there's something earlier. Um, and and so the is that the boat? The boat? No, no. The trip to Morocco. You might not have. Maybe gone I didn't to. see it. It's a pretty yeah, big yeah. episode, but it's in the Vanity I Fair article. So just to like clarify for Daryl, so he's on the same page with us. The trip to Morocco was Anna was waiting on her final big, I think it's $40 million loan from Fortress so that she can build ADF. Mm-hmm. And it's coming down to the wire, but she believes she's going to get it. She feels like that's in the final stages, but she's still waiting. And her plan is to kind of like distract herself and go to Morocco to like the finest hotel in Morocco. And she brings Casey and Rachel and Rachel brings a photojournalist who's going to document like the moment that her loan comes through and this trip. Mm-hmm. And Anna wants to stay in the hotel. Every time Rachel's like, let's go see this or let's go to this. She's like, no, let's stay in the hotel. We've got a five star restaurants here. And like, we have everything we need. Let's just stay here. And ultimately, it turns out that Anna's payment isn't working. And they get into some scary situations where they're like, we're going to call the police. Obviously, you don't want to be in jail in any foreign country. You really don't want to be in jail ever, right? But then, like, the step above that (laughs) is, like, in a foreign country, the step above that is, like, a foreign developing country, right? Well, no. I think it's probably preferable to go to jail in, like... uh... Some Scandinavian countries. Yeah, maybe, right? Like Like where they like... Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So we won't... We'll call that generalized, not specifically, you know, (laughs) blanket statement. But they're starting to get scared and these guys bust into the room and are like, you have to give us a form of payment right now or we're going to call the police. And so Anna's like, this is stupid. Like, you know, Anna's like classic stupid. Like, I can't believe you guys are being like this. Like my bank is to bank fuck up. The wire's coming, you know, her same thing. And Rachel essentially offers to put her work Amex down, which Obviously, she ends up footing the bill. Like, people, Casey gets sick and leaves, and then Rachel and right. uh, the fo- the photo guy end up leaving because the photo guy is telling Rachel, like, this is a very bad, scary situation. Like, we can't pay for anything. Right. Something's fishy with Anna. And, like, we can't get stuck here or lose our passports or go to jail here. So we need to leave now before it gets any worse. And Anna ends up running up her card and putting the charges on her card. And then, of course, doesn't pay back. So that's kind of like Rachel's big climax in the story. Mm. And that was the episode. I think I recapped it pretty well. Well, so it's almost like, yeah, two episodes. Well, I guess one episode that's focused on Morocco and then one that's sort of focused on the the fallout. But the two things I wanted to bring up from that, one is like really, really minor, but was another one of those moments that I've just kind of come on. Um, Although maybe this really happened. I don't know. Is that... The reason Casey leaves at the beginning is she get, is she gets food poisoning, and um, immediately just gets on a plane back. Like, to why would you the do US, that? Which is like, <laughs> no, that is the opposite of if if that really yeah, happened, yeah. don't do that. Don't get on no. a seventeen hour flight for sure if you have food poisoning. No. There's not a worse place you could be with food poisoning than on a plane. Period. Oh God! Thank you. I feel vindicated on that. Yes, I thought the same exact thing. Why would you go home? And food poisoning is normally like a twenty-four hour thing, and it's like a two-week trip. Like, why don't you just hole up in a five-star hotel? Yeah, and drink Gatorade and relax. Like, I just don't understand it. Right. So that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, The other thing about that whole storyline then is 
that part of the way it gets painted afterwards. I mean, and I don't think they insist on this interpretation, but again, because I think the show mostly portrays Rachel pretty unsympathetically, there are people who are kind of like, yeah, why did you offer your card? Like, did, did Anna coerce you into offering your card? Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, mm-hmm. legally speaking, the coercion matters, right? right? Like, from a legal standpoint, you put your card down right. at a right. hotel. You did it. You paid for something. Like... Whose fault is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do think that it's... And, and partly because that's kind of the last conversation that they have about it. So the impression that you get is... Or at least that I, I came away with was that the show was trying to say, like, you know, Rachel has a lot of culpability for it, which I certainly think is fair. But also, if you, like, go back to those situations, those are situations where it's, like, a very, very scary situation. And Anna has gotten them into this situation and then is basically refusing to engage, refusing to solve the problem in any way and so uh rachel sort of understandably panics and and offers up her card or i think so initially she offers a personal card and then because anna then gets them in hot water again she has to offer up her work card as well and that was another case where i was like yeah i don't know it seems that the show's kind of working i i get what it's saying and it's like a fair point so it's like if, if I think about it, like, abstractly, it's not, like, an unfair point, but it does feel like the show is working kind of hard to make Anna seem like the more sympathetic one in this situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be it would be a situation where you would just make a stress decision, but I don't know what the bar is for coercion, I guess, is the thing. Right. right? And certainly the other thing I would agree with is, like, if you've been stress-pressured into putting down your credit card for something you don't want to, then, like, you definitely should be in the mode of, like, damage control let's figure out how to like extricate this ourselves from the situation immediately don't talk to me about like going to spend more money at the gardens or anything like that like, right yeah and and whereas rachel immediately goes into de- denial and it's like great like everything's fine let's have a good time which again uh, I don't know I see. how okay. much that ha- is true but um yeah. so that's like kind of because that is like the also beyond just taking up a lot of time i think that is the biggest mystery that they kind of are leading up to because you know, everyone keeps talking about Morocco in the earlier episodes, and then you uh, you finally see it. Um, mm-hmm. Although, and, and again, I mean, it's it's well done. There's a certain sense of, like, there was no mystery here. It played out more or less kind of what I expected. It just, uh, they just, for some reason, like, treating it like a big mystery. Um, I, I guess they also did the same thing with her boyfriend in the early episodes. Um, right. Who calls i guess in the in the article is ultimately called the futurist which i think is great i mean i i, oh, I liked his good. character a lot i thought he was sort of he was pretty actually unlike the journalist i found the the sort of tech bro aspects to be reasonably convincing although for somebody who hadn't raised funding he was or a significant amount of funding he was definitely being like really free with money but yeah but uh, so i had a question about that because like they went and i i've done a little bit of research into who this guy might be or whatever and they have like there's this other guy that has a kickstarter or whatever crowdfunding campaign for something similar and they speculate like that might be this guy but the part i didn't get was they like went out of their way to get on this boat or whatever and then they the guy just made a hundred thousand donation to his kickstarter project like (laughs) i thought that was a joke i was like oh are you guys is it a joke like kickstarter here's kickstarter on the phone and then he was like done and i was like but it's not actually kickstarter right like there's some kind of investment structure but like no i think they meant like he literally just went in and made a one hundred thousand dollar pledge to his kickstarter campaign which if you're the guy raising the money is way better for you because there's no equity changes hands at all and it's just like no strings attached but like it was very confusing it was one of those moments where i was like is this accurate or is this just like does this make any sense? Does anyone aware of what they're writing here or like what the things are that are involved in this? But I don't know. I could also imagine that like there are startup founders who found that very aggravating because it is like this guy who instead of actually building his product, uh, he just kind of like swans around to conferences and talks about his idea. Um, Yeah. But I think those people also exist. So it's, I don't want to say that he represents everyone doing a startup, but, but that is a real person who, who like lives like that. Oh yeah, the Kickstarter said... campaign I don't know about, but but just in general there are people like that, and and I thought like the, again the uh, the actor did a good job of being like kind of douchey but also sympathetic in key moments, right? Um, and then I guess just sort of jumping to the end, 
uh, ultimately the article comes out, is very successful, and um, and then there, yeah, there, first of all, like one of the things that's kind of weird is the uh, the article comes out at the end of episode seven, and there's two episodes after that, and then there's like one whole episode where uh, Vivian goes to to Germany to try to like track down Anna's family, and it turns out that it, basically everything she thought about the family was correct, but she would just mm. like convinced herself that they had to be like this like secret. Russian oligarchs or something like that. And and that was sort of felt kind of like a waste of time. Um, and then there's an episode about the trial, uh, which is the last episode, which I thought was really good, but ended on this note of um, basically Vivian and Todd, Anna's lawyer, kind of being like, oh man, like we really screwed Anna over. We, we like really benefited from her, but now Anna is going to jail. Um, and uh, I didn't, I didn't totally, that, that was felt like a weird note to end on. That's what they, because they, I thought they were aware of that the entire time. Like, didn't, didn't they, they kind of explored that in the first one when they convinced her not to take the plea. Like, everybody was like, eyes open, this means right. she'll go to jail. But it's a fair exchange because she has said, all I want out of this is fame or whatever. So everyone's getting what they want, but they do rehash and hand ring a bit at the end about it again? They do. Well, and, and then one thing that's sort of, I think, a little awkward, and not to, like, downplay, you know, how unpleasant it would be to spend a few years in, in jail, but, like, Anna, like, got out after a few years. And then now, I think, is back in jail, but it's because of ICE. Um, because she, Oh, yeah, she, and she sued ICE because they gave her COVID. Right. Um, yeah. But... The, so the way it's like painted in the finale in the final conversation between Vivian and Todd is like Vivian's like oh my god like Anna's gonna be in jail until she's 40 like what is she gonna do then and I mean first of all yeah there's like a as someone who's can can see 40 very closely that, that felt really brutal doing she's just like the her life is gonna be over she's basically dead at that point yeah um but then also like when you know in real life that didn't that she didn't actually stay in prison until 40 I mean, unless, I don't know, like, ice, her well, ice Well, she's in prison becomes... right now. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe... But it's about, right? yeah, it's about uh, immigration or whatever, right? Yeah, 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 but, like, still, I mean, her life hasn't started yet. So. Right, yeah. yeah. Although it's classic Anna to spend, like, four years in prison and then be like, no, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go back to Europe. I want to start over in New York again. <laughs> like... Right, <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, it sounds like actually, like, her situation is still pretty rough. So I'm sorry if it came off as I was downplaying it. But it just felt like that whole, like, those last few conversations felt kind of weird to me. Did the ending work for you, Jordan? Mm, I felt like it was a couple episodes too long. Like, I yeah. think the trial is probably important to include. I don't know that the that the Germany-Russia investigation was a useful... I feel like that could have been told throughout the other episodes, maybe, in a way that, maybe not, maybe we need to keep the air of mystery around Anna as long as possible, I don't know, but it just felt like it was dragging. Like, it felt like once kind of, like, Morocco came through and the Fortress investment didn't come through and she got arrested and was the whole LA thing, like, it felt like, okay... You know, the trial and showing how much she cares about her clothes and the trial and the outcome of it is important, but could have been like the last 15 minutes of an mm. episode almost and like wrapped it up. It felt like they were just like dragging it on a little bit. Yeah. But I, I still think the ending, like how those components were important, but longer than they needed to be, maybe is the way I'm putting it. Yeah. Well, this like it sounds like this has the, the problem we talk about a lot now, which is like could benefit from additional layers of studio and notes and mm -hmm. yeah. executives who could be like, well, you got to trim this down to our yeah. type box of like, although it's pretty hard to tell sometimes. Cause I could imagine that there would be studio notes of like, Oh, you have to explain the fire festival thing. People might not get it. Add a scene. Oh, you God. explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, humans are flawed is probably what the big lesson of this one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Across the board. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I had a question. I could say that for anything. That is a spoiler. It's not about the ending, but like the part of this that stuck the most to me, and it must be a real biographical detail because it is definitely like it. It does. It, it's a disconnect with the rest of the show. Is like 
when that one banker is talking about how she went and took a shit and there was no toilet paper and then she came out and smelled like shit for the rest of the meetings. What? Is that I, real? I uh, I have no memory of How did I miss this? I must have like... It was in My the, eyes must have glazed if over. If not the first episode, like one of the first episodes. I, I it think was I actually, what you're talking about. There's like a montage of like different people talking about her and like you're just getting these incredibly contradictory perceptions of her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And but it was great because like I think they were talking to different people and pinging back and forth between this story. And then they came back to him and he was like, and it was, and he's the grossest person. And they hired like the best guy to be like, I'm the hugest scumbag financier you've ever seen. And he like they come back to him and he's like, I'm kind of into it. Like it was like, oh God, you're so repulsive, but this is wonderful. Are you talking about the fortress, dude? Yeah, yeah, the fortress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good casting. He's yeah. such a like douche bro. Yeah, and just like the way he did his hair and the wardrobe, yes, everything. Yeah. You know, I think with any of these kinds of shows, even if I think on some level you're you're meant to sort of judge all these rich assholes, it's also supposed to be sort of like wealth and glamour porn as well. And yeah, you know, I don't think I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say how accurate it is, but it is a fun show from that perspective. Like the the yacht is not as spectacular as this uh, succession yacht, but it is still fun nice, to like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see them go there and like to swan around New York and see this hotel Close. in Morocco. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love the boat thing too. I love when they just go back on the boat. <laughs> it's so false. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I had a good time. I'm glad I saw it, even if uh, yeah, uh, a lot of it, it was, was pretty fun. exasperating. It was amusing. I it's definitely a thing where like I I would like to watch probably a supercut would suffice to me of like. All of the Delvey scenes. Lines, yeah. yeah. She's so good. Yeah. She's so funny and clever. Um, and just like above it all. I love it. But yeah, I mean, I was I had more fun than I was exasperated. So like, and also we're more likely to be exasperated as people who've been in right. media by like the, that those parts of it. I think the average, not the average person, but like the non-media person looks at that and is like, oh yeah, whatever. Like is not bothered by her wall, Instagram wall. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. everyone, you know, regular people have their own Instagram wall. Of course they do. Yeah, everybody's trying to solve something. That's right. The only way you can do it is by posting pictures on a wall. That's the only way it can be done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's how all of our singular methodology behind the scenes of TechCrunch. That's how all of our reporting works. Is we just print out all the things. Yeah, you guys can't see this wall, but. <laughs> It looks insane. Someone sends an email. We just print them out. We tack them up. Then we draw a line so we can tell we which is a reply to, to the other this one. This is the email thread. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've seen Inventing Anna, you can let us know what you think. Also, send us a photo of your Instagram wall to info at originalcontentpodcast.com. That's info at originalcontentpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Original Content, and you can subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you so much for listening. Daryl and Jordan, I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Later, Gators.